that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his can't, part. You can't, you can't, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish. We are now a week into the season, uh, or a week and a half into the season, and things seem like they uh, continue to get crazier with every passing day. Yeah, um, we'll talk about a certain team that I'm kind of officially worried about. Um, we could just go right into it if you want. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about the Texas women's uh, game against UConn. We got a couple games we'll talk about as well, but um, yeah, we can we can jump right into it. Uh, the TCU. Men's basketball team. <clears throat> we to set the table. We talked yeah. about them on I don't I don't know if it's the last po- two podcasts ago. I think it was uh, when they barely beat Arkansas Pine Bluff, seventy three to seventy two. We said, okay, this is not good. Last podcast, I asked you. I said, should we be concerned with them only beating Lamar by eleven? Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, yeah, kinda. But you know, it's a new Lamar team. I don't know how good they are. Yeah. Now all these games are at home. So on Monday. They played Northwestern State, a program that is routinely near the bottom 20, 25 of the country out of Louisiana. Um, A new coach at Northwestern State, and TCU was without Mike Miles and Damian Ball. Okay, so uh, Mike Miles has a foot injury. Damian Ball suspended, um, I believe, for like the first six games or whatever it is. So I was like, okay, something to monitor. Just checking the score, checking the score. Lo and behold, TCU loses to Northwestern <laughs> State, sixty-four to sixty-three. I went back and watched the game. I went, I watched uh, pretty much the whole thing, especially the second half. And uh, I have a lot of thoughts, but I will throw it to you first. What are you? How are you feeling about TCU's performance on Monday and just overall season start to the season? Not great. Um... <laughs> I, this is a team that we've talked about it last year in the regular season, wasn't very good, you know, turned it on in the, in the postseason, um, entered the year as a top 20, top, potentially top 15 team, yep. bringing basically everybody back, literally everybody back, I'm pretty sure. Um, they have now dropped, rightfully so, to 50, uh, basically 55th in both Ken Palm and uh, Torvik's rankings. After starting off, after ending last year, I believe at twentieth in Ken Palm, somewhere around there. Yeah, twenty sixth in Ken Palm last year. This team can't shoot. Like this team cannot shoot. And granted, they weren't great at shooting last year. So, like, sure, theoretically, you bring everybody back, you're probably not going to still be a shooting a great shooting team. But one, they're worse 
so seemingly this year, right? They were, let me see. They shot 30% as a team last year. So far this, uh, from three-point range. So far this year, they are shooting 18% from three-point range this year. <laughs> they are 343 in the oh, country. Man. Yeah. Matthew Bruni, they are, let me see, 343. That is more or less, uh, there are there are 363 teams in, in, in Ken Palm's rankings in the country. They, they, the other the the bad part is they're like actually decent two point shoot. They're shooting fifty four percent from the field, two point percentage. They just they get behind and they get in these close games, and they try to push it a little bit. They try to rely on the outside shot late, and they just can't. And so when the defense has like a little bit of a crack in it, which of course you know you're not Houston, you're not going to shut down teams probably every day. Yeah you're probably going to need to be a little bit better <laughs> on offense. Yep. Um, I will say that is the thing that I think that's also concerning is that the defense has taken a step back this year. Mm-hmm. They're letting up more from the field. They're just not as locked down. And again, mm-hmm. when they've played the the schedule that they have, this should be a, they should be a team that's flexing defensive numbers, right? When you're playing yep. Lamar, when you're playing Pine Bluff, when you're playing Northwestern State, and all the numbers have taken a step back defensively so far. So I think that more so than the shooting, and the shooting has been horrendous, but more so than the shooting is that the perimeter, de- the defense overall has been bad against bad teams. Yeah. I mean, to allow 72 to Pine Bluff, 66 to Lamar, now 64 to Northwestern State, those yeah. teams should not be touching 60 they, at all. And um, you, we, we mentioned they return almost everybody. The one player they don't re- didn't return was Francisco Ferbello. Their best three-point shooter from last year, sure, thirty-eight sure. percent from three. And you know who was second in three-point percentage last year was uh, Chuck O'Bannon. And Chuck mm-hmm. O'Bannon in Northwestern State game went one of seven, three of fourteen from the field. Mm-hmm. And um, I hated every single shot Chuck O'Bannon shot. Like it didn't feel like he was comfortable. Uh, you can just tell when guys shoot the ball and they're comfortable, and he didn't look comfortable. Shahada Wells went zero of four from three. He didn't look comfortable. They went two of twenty-one from three as a team. And it's not even like Northwestern State lit it up from three. Like they went eight mm-hmm. of twenty-two, which is a normal percentage that a you know basketball team can shoot thirty-six percent from three. That's yeah. fine. The difference is <clears throat> they had uh, Jamonta Black. I don't want to say his name wrong. Jamonta Black, who went seven of thirteen from three and was scoring every which way on Shahada Wells. Him, mm-hmm. um, I think. Uh, I don't know if it was DeMarcus. I think it was DeMarcus Sharp, too. Shahada Wells couldn't guard anybody. They were posting him up. And I was like, this is – I mean, obviously Mike Miles and Damian Ball, you know, with them, we assume that this team would look a lot more crisp, you know, a lot better offensively and defensively. To I was an about to say, Ball's, Ball's probably their best defender. Yeah, of course. Awesome. The thing is – Offensively, Mike Miles shot thirty percent from three. Damian Ball shot twenty-seven from percent from three last year. Like they can't score. And then if you get into like the the Ken Palm stats, they're not offensive rebounding as well as they did last year. And I think they got actually at times out physicaled by Northwestern State, mm-hmm. which never would have happened last year. And now since they're not getting those offensive rebounds, they're not getting as many shot attempts. They I think they had the same exact amount of shot attempts as uh northwestern state uh i think both ended with, yeah both ended with 59 
and uh, TCU had 27 free throws to, to Northwestern State's eight, so that's a little bit discrepancy there. But, like, it just didn't feel like TCU was able to impose itself. And when you're not able to do that and you can't shoot, then you open yourself up to this. And it's uh, yeah. it's it's extremely concerning. Yeah. I, I My alarm was up in the Pine Bluff game. And then the Lamar game, I didn't watch it, but it was like Lamar won two games last year and you beat them by 11. And then this happens. At home. All these are at home, too. They haven't even faced anything on the road. Yeah, so. it's it's really concerning. Um, Shahada Wells looks like kind of a liability defensively, too. Like, he just does not look like he fits right now. Again, he missed last year, so like maybe there's yeah. some you know, some growing pains with the defensive system. But again, these aren't these aren't this isn't conference play, right? This isn't like you're not doing this again. You're not letting this happen against Baylor. The other thing that's definitely taking a step back is the perimeter defense. They just have not the three point. The teams are shooting these so far this year. They're giving up I think thirty thirty seven percent from three or something. Like the drive and kick is just there. Like if you want it, it's just there for teams and. It, yeah, I want to say, let me see. Yeah, they're shooting teams shooting 36, 37% from three. They're 248th in three-point percentage defense. Like, every shot, it seemed like it was way too easy for teams to get in the paint or players to get in the paint and drive and kick or just get a shot that they were comfortable-ish with inside. And there was one particular play um i think it was again i forgot who it was but it was again it was on shahada wells and it was just like a spin move in the lane just like it it looked like kind of one of those turnstile things where it's just like oh there like he was expecting to go one way he yep. spins the other way in the paint you're like oh well there's there's an easy layup um and yeah it i don't know well, this team's not going to be a good shooting team overnight so i don't you know i think even if they're better than what 19 18 percent they're probably not going to be better than 30 as a team. Nope. Definitely. So nope. I think the bigger concerns for me right now are defensively because um, they have not played good defensive teams and they have, they have Monroe coming up who, you know, again, another team that's not very good. I'm worried about it. <laughs> and then they have Cal who is a bottom-ish team of practice at 12, but who cares at this point? <laughs> and then they have Providence and then they have prop like there is a world where they drop all three of those games, right? I probably, I definitely probably have them against Providence dropping now. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're, they're scheduled, they're scheduled. Like Ken Palm has them as slight favorites in most of these games, but like, I don't know how much is still weighing off what they expected of this team. Bro. They were, they were 25 point favorites against Northwestern state. Yeah. Like they were 35 against Lamar. Like it's, it's clear Nobody knows how good or bad this team is. Like the, right. the final form of this team, especially without Damian Ball and especially without Mike Miles. We don't know how long Mike Miles is out uh, with with the foot. It didn't look like he was that bad. He was jumping on the sideline. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he looks fine. I was about to say, like, I was about to say, it could have just been like a precar- like <laughs> it could have just been Jamie Dixon saying, "Hey, look, we're playing Northwestern State. Why are we going to risk him?" And then he loses, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but like any any sm- like any smart coach would. You're playing Northwestern State. Yeah, let's not risk our star player because we're going to beat them. And then the, the crazy thing to me, I, and this is this is twofold, the depth that this team has is staggering still. Like on paper, the talent, like raw right. talent, they didn't have ball and they didn't have miles, and I could they still went nine deep comfortably. Like P.J. Haggerty's yes. their ninth man, and I, I thought P.J. Haggerty was really good. Rondell Walker, like eighth man, really good. Xavier Cork, Jacoby Coles. Off mm-hmm. the, those are all off the bench. Yeah. 
And like that's four off the bench without your starting two. Like they're eleven deep, legitimately eleven deep. The crazy part is all eleven of them feel like they do the same thing, mm-hmm. and none of them can shoot. Like the bigs are all the same, the guards are all the same. Like Shahada Wells and Mike Miles, you know they're different ish, but they they feel the same. Like all of the wings slash guards they have, O'Bannon, um, Miller, Coles, uh, Rondell Walker, they all feel the same. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, uh, Michael Peavy, you don't, it doesn't, there's no, um, like when you change lineups, it doesn't feel like you're getting an extra punch off the bench. It doesn't feel like you're getting an extra punch with lineup change. It just feels right. like you're changing the players, but the overall team is the same. Sure. And I, it's kind of like what we talked about with A&M, where we joked on the last podcast with a and like, you know, it's just a maroon blob running around everything. That's kind of what TCU is. They just do <laughs> the same thing no matter who's on the court because they're the same players the whole time and none of them can shoot they can all you know rebound at a pretty high level they're all decent defenders but like i i I wish they had you know one guy coming off the bench that could just shoot the ball francisco ferbero from last year right like or um a seven foot one random big that maybe he's not the best player but like he's there like something something and it just doesn't feel like they have some uh, they don't have an off-speed pitch I guess that's the best way of looking at it. They they mm-hmm. throw they're throwing the fastball, fastball, fastball. We're gonna rebound, we're gonna defend, and we're gonna be physical. All right. Well, what if that doesn't work? Right. What yeah. if a team just happens to get? I mean, again, it's yeah. a pattern now. But what if a team happens to have a good shooting net against you? You know, there's nothing. There's no. You can't play with them, right? You can't play tempo with them because you're you don't have the capability to. You're you can't hero ball it because your hero ball is out, right? If Mike Miles is out, so like you can't you can't you know, ask him to put the cape on and, and go win you a game. Um, yeah, it's it's concerning, um, obviously, because if anything, you typically expect a team that gets better at the end of the year and brings everybody back to continue doing that, right? Continue to show, at least, if not get better, then at least maintain what they were, right? They weren't, they weren't impressive at the beginning of last year, but they weren't like awful either. Right. They picked up that weird, they picked up a good win, win against a They beat Utah, right. They were beating teams that were like pretty good. They beat LSU, right. Like there were teams, there weren't games where you're like, geez, this team's awful. Or this team, these are awful losses. They were like decent losses. I think it was like Santa Clara and like, I think actually I think Santa Clara might've been their only non-conference loss last year. And so like, now I look at their non-conference schedule and I was like, I don't know they could drop. I don't know which one. They could drop any of these games, so you know, weird. at this point. And it's really – I'm not saying they will. You know, they, they might finish with two or three. Um, but still, there's going to be like – one of those is going to be Northwestern State. And then they're probably going to be another bad loss on there. Um, so, yeah. it's after Even after Lamar, it was hard for me to say that this team was concerning just because, again, Lamar is a different roster. I don't know what to think of them. But now it's like, yeah, no, there's a pattern, man. It's a pattern and it's not a good one. The crazy thing is, last year they actually beat the teams they're supposed to be in non-conference. Like sure. they beat AM. They beat, like you said, Utah. Um, the the last thing I'll say on TCU, um, it does. It feels like even with this talent, and I think this is about as talented as a team as you can expect from TCU. On, I mean, mm-hmm. when's the last time they had this much talent like a TCU team? Did. I, top I to bottom, yeah. It felt like you, it was like the, their best teams under Dixon were like Desmond Bain doing everything, yeah. or like you know, it, it felt like it was like one or two players. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're. And I liken this to like Texas Tech losing Fardals on make uh, Amac. Mm-hmm. Tech is still looks like Tech out there. 
right? Sure. Because I just feel like there's a different culture there. The culture at Tech is stronger than it is at TCU. Like, I think Mark Adams is a better coach than Jamie Dixon. But, like, fundamentally, if TCU loses these two players in Mike Miles and Damian Ball, I don't – maybe their culture isn't strong enough to to withstand that. Whereas Texas Tech loses their best player and still looks pretty good. I mean, they beat – uh, a pretty good La Tech team last night. So it's like, yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at it from an overall standpoint of like, all right, TCU, yeah, you don't have your t- top two players, but you're playing Northwestern State. You lose to Northwestern State while Texas Tech doesn't have Fardaws, has a lot of holes in their roster. I would argue TCU has a much more talented roster than Texas Tech at this point. And Texas Tech goes out there and takes care of business against La Tech. So it's like, it is, it's a, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. It's a lot. You want to talk a little bit about Texas Tech? Um, I saw a little bit of that game. They started off really good um, against La Tech. Uh, I think they got into a little bit of a track meet late, um, which made it closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but how about our boy, Daniel Bacho? Six blocks for him. He's he's stepped up a lot, man. He is they've needed somebody to step up with Fardos mm-hmm. Amac missing, gonna missing, you know, probably gonna miss a good portion of the season. And they needed somebody to step up next to uh, uh, to Kevin O'Bannon, not no, O'Bannon, not in the scoring department, but just somebody defensively, and to be that front court partner. And so far, so good, man. He's done a pretty good job. I he was last somebody last year who we were kind of intrigued by, but not somebody that we necessarily thought could play a lot of minutes and give them consistently stuff. He's not a world beater, but he man, he's holding down the fort. They start. I mean, the starting lineup for Texas Tech to me, is not going to instill fear in anybody if you just read off the names like David right. Harmon, Pop Isaacs, uh, Jalen Tyson, Kevin O'Bannon, and Daniel Bacho. But they, I mean, they still defend at an incredibly high level. David Harmon with four steals, two blocks, six assists, like 15 points, six of eight shoot. Davion Harmon, if he can give you that, I Man, mean, that is good enough. 80 or 90% <laughs> of that, like you're looking at, a point guard that is better than what we thought he was going to be. And that's huge for the team with, without Fardos. Yep. hundred percent. Um, they're also sh- like the three point shooting is actually pretty good right now too. Like they're not shooting a lot of them. And I don't think no offense to Kevin O'Banner, but I don't th- I don't think he's going to shoot 40% from three all season. Um, but so far so good. I mean, he's taken two a game so far shooting over 36. Yeah. As a team, they're 36% from three. So I think three. that's something the one the guy that I'm really interested in you mentioned him pop Isaacs freshman coming in he's starting right away as a two guard yeah he's popping almost four threes a game and shooting 45 percent like even if he comes down a little bit right if they have somebody shoot popping five attempts a game at a 35 percent clip that's something tech did not have last year yeah. right and so if you have I, I like the balance that they have I wonder if that's I do wonder if that's just their backcourt, right? If Harmon, Isaacs, Tyson is their backcourt for the season, which so far so good as far as balance goes. Um, and then if you eventually get Fardaz Amac in there, one that takes pressure off of him because you have spacing, right? So you're not going to ask him to come in averaging 20 points a game. You could maybe play a four in, four out, one in system with uh, uh, O'Banner a little bit too on the outside more consistently. And yeah, I mean, Tyson's flashing a little bit of why he was a highly touted recruit uh, coming in from Texas. And I, yeah, so like I said, so far so good. He had some crit- he, uh, 
Adams had some critiques after the game about like getting caught in a little bit of a shooting match with uh, uh, LaTeX. Um, I believe Talvin Hester is the head coach there, right? If yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So, you know, so uh, a coach that we know is, is, has pedigree and is really good um, coming in from Texas tech. So there was some familiarity there, but I don't know, man, I, I'm, vi- I tweeted it out. I said, it'd be funny if tech lose, lost all their best players in the off season, they lose their top transfer and then they're just fine. Like, <laughs> and then they just end up being okay. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like somehow. They got so. Creighton coming up. So that's going to be a huge game. They're in the Maui. They're in the yeah. Maui Invitational. So, so they got, yeah, Creighton will be a huge game. Um, that'll be a, that's their first big test. And so if they win, then they play Arkansas. Man, so, if, yeah, I would, if they go on a run I in Maui, it. that's I need it. That, I, need, yeah. I need them to beat Creighton and then play Arkansas. I don't care if they beat Arkansas, I just need those two games back to back. Then we'll know how good Texas Tech is. And we don't even need to watch another game the rest of the year. I was about to say, we can just wait to conference fast forward to conference play with this team. We'll know, yeah, we'll know how good they are. <laughs> um, uh, a couple other games here, uh, we have to mention our Texas Southern boys, they did it. Now, I will say, real quick, yeah. PJ Henry did not play against Texas Tech. If PJ mm-hmm. Henry plays, I think they're closer in that game than 20 points. Sure. If PJ Henry plays against Arizona State, puts up 22, 4 and 4, and they take mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. the Sun Devils in overtime on the road. All, you know all what John it is. Jones does is win, baby. You know what it is. By the way, what I didn't realize at the time, that was at Texas Southern. What was that? I'm Arizona sorry, State? it was at Texas Southern. What was that? Yeah, that. <laughs> That blew my mind. So I went back and watched a little bit of it. I didn't see it live. And I went back and watched it. And I was like, I saw the the logos. I was like, wait, is this in Houston? (laughs) I mean, first of all, credit to Arizona State for going there. But, like, how did they get Arizona State to go to Texas? Well, they played them last year. I know. So I guess, I mean, look. Home and home, I guess. Shout out Arizona State for holding up a home and home. Like, cause yeah, I was about to say, because we'll see that. plenty of teams not go to Texas Southern and most say, like, no, you're, not we're that. playing a one-off or we're doing two games here, you know? Like, exactly. No, but, but man, that said is... Texas Southern was going to take down a team at some point. It's a given every single year. We thought mm-hmm. maybe it'd be Tech with Fardaws out. Tech right. is Tech is solid. Arizona mm-hmm. State, it's not solid. They're not nope. solid. They're not solid, man. They got, a, they got some problem with John Walker and P.J. Henry. And if you're not solid against this this Texas Southern team, let alone not solid in Houston against mm-hmm. this Texas Southern team, they will beat you. Yep, they I was about to say this was, and this wasn't like a, this wasn't like a. Oh, they they made like what uh, Pine Bluff was against TCU, where they just like hit 13 of 18 threes or whatever. It was they were taking it to them, man. That wasn't like they just got hot shot. I think they only shot like 15 threes and didn't. Yeah, so they shot nine. They they shot 35 uh, percent from three, so like decent. But it wasn't like some like clinic performance that just like you know nobody can stop. It was going at them, getting buckets. PJ Henry going in the lane. Yeah, it was that's awesome, man. That's so cool. <laughs> and they have another home game today, Tuesday, mm-hmm. the day we're recording this against Oral Roberts. So yeah, back to back games. They're slight underdogs in that game, but. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps transition to uh, – I did just watch – Oral Roberts will be playing a back-to-back in Houston. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. played Houston on the road, and Houston beat them 83-45 to and went up like 39-10 to in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, all I got to say, Houston is the best team in Texas and they're the most fun team in Texas. They might be the most fun team in the country. Like, Tremont Mark had his breakout party. Uh, Marcus Saster is awesome. Jamal Shedd's awesome. They are just 
they are everything we hoped they would be this year. And I yeah. am so happy. I'm so they're happy. Living up, they're living up to season. every bit of hype. And it is yeah. – we expected – Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, I was going to say, like, we expected Marcus Sasser to come in and just, like, you know, because they looked good with him last year, they ended the year spectacular – Yep. Okay, cool. Just slide him into that lineup and you should be good, right? On paper, it made sense. In in practice, we were like, okay, well, let's see it happen. And it's just, it's, it, it's just worked so perfectly. He's come in like he never left. Dude, they, they look, and they don't look like as far as play styles go, but they are, how they looked yesterday beating Oral Roberts that thoroughly from the tip. Like, they beat the brakes off Oral Roberts. Tip to the buzzer. <laughs> It reminded me of that of the 2020 Baylor team, like it just how they did it and how dominant yeah. they were in that fashion. That's what it reminded me of with the pace that they play and the guards that they have. It reminded me of that 2020 21. Uh, they're just so relent, like where that Baylor team would kind of wear you down with just like waves of scoring and like obviously they shut you down defensively but then they just get in transition and hit threes it it felt like you know that baylor team felt like playing like peak warriors right where it's yeah. like there goes a 20 nothing run whatever this mm. houston team just beats you with haymakers man they're just like because <laughs> i love watching a team that's so good but they're not too good to where they're like and eh, we don't need to crash the boards anymore we're gonna you know like they're still doing the same things that they beat teams up with two years ago last year three years ago it's like, no, we're going to punch you in the face with these offensive boards. We're going to get in the paint. We're going to rebound as a team. And we're just going to just like pummel you to where like by the time the second half happens, you're just so tired. You don't want to rebound anymore. No. You don't want to defend anymore. Like they just come at you in every way. And they're just faster this year too. Like they just look so much more faster. <laughs> I, um, they're holding teams, and they've only played North Colorado, St. Joe's, and uh, Oral Roberts, which isn't even that bad of a schedule. I mean, it's better right. than TCU's schedule yeah. uh, to this point. And they are holding those three opponent, those three teams, to thirty percent from two. From God. two, thirty percent from two. Um, yeah, man, third best defense in Ken Palm, eleventh ranked offense. Um. They are just a machine right now, and I cannot wait. I will say Texas Southern uh, played on Sunday. They play today, and then Texas Southern plays at Houston on on tomorrow. So they're playing three games in four days. But, hey, get the check, Texas Southern. Have some fun. I was about to say, get that check. Get uh, check. But, I mean, more things about your, you know, the strength of schedule argument, sure. But they're also – people can have that critique, you know, oh, they, who they played yet. But they're pummeling these guys. Like, they're not – like, these aren't close games, right? They're winning by 50, yep. 30, 40, right? They're, like, literally just, like, as convincing as you can get. Um, they have their first big test against Oregon coming up on Sunday, which will be a good one. But they should – you know, Ken Palm has them as a five-point favorite if they come out and look convincing against them too. Like, just chalk it up, you know, another one. Another one in the column. So, uh, yeah, I am – this is going to be a fun team to, like – just monitor because we won't have to watch the team very it seems like we won't have to watch the team very closely right until yeah. tournament time because they'll be it looks like they'll be fine um but yeah i'm very very fascinated all right uh you got anything else on the men's side before we jump to the women uh how worried are you about your boys and mean green um because they got speaking of teams that got shellacked um i know saint mary's is good but and i know tyler perry didn't play but 
one, how long is Tyler Perry still out for is my question. They're hoping um, yeah. in, in sources I talked to. Uh-huh. Um, hope is to get him back against Fresno State. I think they play on Saturday. Okay. That, that's, and that's good. not a bad team at all. So I was about to uh, say, they play that's, Fresno that's at home, get Tyler back. That game will tell us a lot more than the St. Mary's game. Yeah. Let's just say I bet on uh, North Texas team total under 55 and a half. Didn't even blink. Didn't even have to blink. They I was about to say that. They, they, yeah, they – that was free money. That was free money. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they didn't practice all week because they had the, a flu outbreak. I, I did hear about that as well. So it was like you're also – you're playing with like one hand tied behind your back and then somebody just ties your foot behind your back. So Yeah. No, so I don't take any, I don't take anything from that game. It's not good, obviously, but um, and their depth is a real concern of mine. But mm-hmm. um, we'll see, we'll see. They get Tyler back on. I think they play on Saturday. I'll be tuned in. We'll yeah. See. Um, on the women's side, the big game here: UConn and Texas, the first top ten matchup in either the men's or women's side, and it was a top five matchup. Number, I think Texas is three and UConn is five. Mm-hmm. Man. No Rory Harmon mm-hmm. for Texas, which sucked. And obviously no Paige Beckers, who's out for the year for UConn. I mean, mm-hmm. you have those two. This game looks a bit different. But um, I leave pretty impressed with Texas. I leave pretty impressed with Texas. Now, UConn led by double digits most of the game, most of the second half, I would say, yeah. uh, in like the middle portion. Well, they – yeah, second half. Uh, Texas fights back, cuts it to seven. Ozzy Fudd. Uh, AZ Fudd, I think it's on the broadcast. Yeah, she's 32 points, 13 cooked. points. She just cooked all game. <laughs> look, look, man. Uh, Sonia Morris really tried to match her. I was, <laughs> I felt so there, bad for Sonia Morris. She, got, she was a barbecue chicken that whole game. I'm sorry. And when you play a player like that, who's just like, the minute she crossed her up on the baseline and just like, excuse me, let me just, uh, <laughs> it's that it was, it was those types. It was, it was anything under the screen. She was going to shoot, right. Yep. Anybody who went under a screen, she was going to shoot. And she, I felt bad. Cause like Sonia Morris got the worst of it, but like nobody could guard her. Yep. Um, yeah. Was she was scoring on the other end to a degree. True. Yes. Uh, I think it was, was she dropped 32 FUD. Yeah, Fudd had 32, Morris had 21. 21, uh, 13 of 21. Yeah, it she she was cooking. Um, it's one of those games where you're like, man, if if you had Rory Harmon there to throw at her, right? What could happen? Because like it didn't even because obviously Fudd's a lot bigger than Harmon. So like she there could have been a physical argument of like yeah. maybe she wouldn't have slowed her down. But like somebody just to fight over those screens, somebody just to stay in her face, like that's what morris and and uh gonzalez couldn't do um and that's and and it's funny saying it but that's what hurt a vic schaefer team was defense they couldn't guard her um offensively they looked really good i thought offensively sonia morris was really good i thought uh taylor jones gave them something that they never had that they hadn't had on the inside um of big physical presence but yeah they just it was weird. They couldn't get stops. Elia Moore looks like she's taking a step forward a little bit on her on her game as well. Um, but yeah, this is still an incomplete team without their best player, and they looked they looked good. They looked good in times. Um, I think Vic Schaefer mentioned that too. He like he said he liked the, he said he was proud of their offense, but he thinks defensively they were just really bad. Yeah. Um, 
like I said, I leave with a lot of positives. Sonia Morris, Taylor Jones being the big, the main two um, mm-hmm. positives. I think the front court depth is awesome. Mm-hmm. Aaliyah yeah, Moore, really you know, Khadijah Faye, Taylor Jones, Deanna Gaston, uh, the freshman Muhammad they have in there. I think it's six yep. four as well. So they got a lot of options. They got in foul trouble. We're able to keep you know rotating players in. We knew the depth of this team was going to be good coming into the year. They just need Rory Harmon. Mm-hmm. You need Roy Harmon. Like they, they yeah, have like eleven turnovers in the first half, and it's like, yep, you need Roy Harmon there. So yeah, I think Shaley Gonzalez had six assists to five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sonia Morris had four as well. So it's like, yeah, you just you, you it's showing that they need their main playmaker and ball handler because if you're asking them to make, you know, Shaley Gonzalez and you know, playing point basically for a lot of the time, Morris as well. Yeah, um, it's the roles that they're not used to. Um, or the roles that they're not going to be asked to play with Rory Harmon there. Um, she was in a boot start the game, but I do see, I saw that um, Alexa Philippou, who works for ESPN now, she was saying that she was out there barefoot sometimes. So like, it's not, I wonder if that was more like precaution just to like, if she's going to be on her, if she's going to be standing up for most of the game or warm ups or whatever, have the boot on, but otherwise it'll look like she was able to stand on her feet. So again, we'll see how long she's out for. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, like you said, I'm very, I was very impressed, um, especially, early, I think early in the game, I'd say midway through the second quarter, they were very much in there. And then mm-hmm. UConn went on this huge run. And I think Vic Schaefer probably wanted his team to figure it out a little bit. He kind of swallowed his, swallowed his, his uh, timeouts and didn't really call much. And then UConn kind of started getting going. And mm-hmm. at that point, it was probably a little bit too, too much. Yeah. Like I said, we'll see. I, 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 I left this game really impressed. So I did too. I did too. I feel I feel good about Texas moving forward. Um, I have three other games real quick to t- to hit on. Mm-hmm. Um, first being Rice taking down Abilene Christian on the women's side. I mean Rice puts up eighty five points again, five and double figures. They're just putting up eighty a game, I guess, mm-hmm. at this point. And <laughs> right, they have completely figured it out. And now I have to ask if they are the favorites in Conference USA. That's without knowing much. I like the complete dynamics of conference usa sure are they they could be back just like that i mean i mean yeah like they're as far as the teams that we've seen and from what we've seen they're i yeah i think we might have underrated them a little bit um in terms you know thinking they'll take a modest step forward but they might actually take a pretty bigger step forward who knows um yeah so far i think they've been definitely the most impressive team from our from conference usa's bunch yeah um it's gonna be I think that game goes about how how we expected it to go. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we thought AC would be decent, but I think a fifteen point spread between those two with how with how Rice is playing mm-hmm. is is, a, is appropriate. Um, sure. UT Arlington beat A and M Commerce seventy five seventy two. How about Commerce? Da- Diana Ro- Diane Robinson is going to be a player that we're going to be talking about as like the all Texas team. Mm-hmm. Puts up 26 points on 11 23 shooting. I am uh UT Arlington um star star Jacobs only played eight minutes. Sure. I don't know why that is. She had four turnovers in those eight minutes. Maybe coach uh got mad at her and just sat her the rest of the time, but <laughs> right. yeah, still only eight minutes there. Uh Dre Washington had 22. Yeah, um Gibson had 13. Um Smith had 14. So I, I still feel pretty good about this team, about UT Arlington especially, but mm-hmm. Commerce, 
Is that a team? I was about to say, are we going to be talking about a team that could win the Southland? It might be. I was about to say, the women's side be. looks a little bit more up in the air. Um, Them versus if Corp- uh, A&M Corpus Christi is going to be a game. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I haven't seen their schedule. Let me see. I don't know who they have coming up next or who if they have any other teams. Because obviously playing UTA close says enough right there. But yeah. I'm just curious if they're going to – let me see. Bring it up really quick. The last uh, game I have mentioned here is uh, ooh, actually hold on. So they do have so they have Houston tonight, recording on Tuesday. They have Houston tonight, they have SMU Friday or Saturday. Oh my god. So this is what this podcast is about. Texas let's versus go, Texas. Baby. Commerce, commerce. Pay our bills. Yes, Pay absolutely. Bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, SFA beat Texas Southern 163. Uh so it's good to see SFA be able to put up 100 uh yeah i know just good, flex a little bit of their good result. Uh, good for get them. a little bit of their kinks out <laughs> exactly exactly get it all back uh because we watched them against utsa and we weren't really sure but mm, yeah um, uh one game that i saw that i'm a little i mean not really too concerned by but still a little concerned uh texas state 75 sam houston 70 now this was that mm. asia hood um i should say okay. but i'm a little I'm a little concerned with the Texas State's front court without Denasia Hood because mm-hmm. Nicole Leff got the start, um, who's a one of the upperclassmen. Um, she played about 30 minutes a game, and she she doesn't give the defensive. And I'm not saying Denasia Hood is not necessarily a great defensive player either, but her scoring gives you so much that you don't really care if she's kind yeah. of an average defender. Nicole Leff doesn't give you as much, and so it was a lot. It was a lot of Kennedy Taylor. Um, I will say positively for Sam Houston State, Michaela was looked like she's still really great. Uh, she had 25 in that game, eight of 19. Um, and they look like they, you know, I was impressed with Sam Houston who took a little bit of a step back last year. Um, but I do, I think Texas State is still trying to iron out their rotation a little bit without, if I don't know how long Denisha Hood's going to be out, if it was just a one off or whatever. But um, their depth in the front court was a little concerning. Um, Tiana Eaton played pretty good. She was somebody who didn't get a lot of time last year battling injuries. So she got, she about, got about 30 minutes, I think. Um, but yeah, that was one thing. It kind of felt like Kennedy Taylor had to do a lot. I don't think, I don't think she came out of the game. I think she played 40 minutes. Um, so like that was a little bit of a concern because they felt like you couldn't rest her. Um, so yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for Texas state is, one, if Denasia Hood's out for a while, all but also kind of their rotations, uh, figuring out their their kind of lineup, and they have yeah. UTEP coming up on Sunday, I think. So. Okay. Two games to look ahead to uh, tonight: Rice and Middle Tennessee play on the men's side. It is a ten point spread. Middle Tennessee is favored by ten. <laughs> you just you, you can't help yourself to cover that one. You can't you can't you can't help yourself. Can you? Might take middle to cover that one. <laughs> We'll see. Um, and then the other game, the actual big game between good teams is uh, Texas and Gonzaga play tomorrow on Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, early predictions, do you think Texas gets it done? I watched Gonzaga play Michigan State, and I was pretty underwhelmed. I was about pretty to say, Gonzaga, like even going back to their they scrimmage, what, Tennessee, right? Yeah, ten, they lost uh, to Tennessee in scrimmage. So like they yeah, it's taken them a little bit to kind of get off the, the mark. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Texas. I think Texas last year last year they played and Gonzaga obviously was kind of a machine and just kind of overwhelmed them. I think Texas is in line to do something similar. I I mean I'm just not convinced with Gonzaga right now. And Texas has looked 
through scrimmages through their first games or so. Like yep. they looked really good. Um, so I'm gonna go with Texas. And it's in Austin too. So you know it's gonna mm-hmm. be rocking and it's gonna be their first high profile game in the yep. Moody Center. So I am uh I'm scared to set expectations too high. I know, but, right? Because uh, it only leads to being disappointed. But I think Texas should get it done. Yeah. I, I, well, that's gonna be the game though. We'll, next podcast we'll be talking about that game. Oh, 100%. So, all right. I think that's all we got. You got anything else? No, I think that's about it. Uh, you mentioned Houston, Houston and Texas Southern. Get that check, y'all. Um, I'm trying to think this weekend. I don't think there's anything else this weekend. Um, I was trying to look at the women's schedule really quick just to double check, yeah. but I don't think that was a high profile game or anything, at least anything to the level of what we got uh, yeah. yesterday, last night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we got, like I said, Texas State, UTEP on the women's side. Um, Texas at Marquette on the women's side, but of course Marquette's not great. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'd say that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for y'all this episode. We uh, appreciate y'all for joining us. Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Oh, we got Baylor, Maryland on Sunday on the women's side. <laughs> Oh, well, we'll do a podcast before that. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, sir, I'm just saying. I was just looking at weekend in general. So, you know. Yeah. If you're looking for a preview or whatever, there's something. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, But, yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, We will be back on Friday with another episode. Um, Don't watch Rice versus Middle Tennessee tonight. That's all I'll say about (laughs) that. Uh, Enjoy your Tuesday nights and Wednesday. And we will talk to you all later.